0: Welcome to the Band of Brothers Cycling Podcast. In this series, we talk about the biggest races in cycling and how we prepare for them and give you some insight into the personalities within the team. Hi everyone, and welcome to another Giro Rest Day episode of the Band of Brothers podcast. Today, we're joined by the now two-time Giro d'Italia stage winner, Nico Dens, who has had an incredible past few days here in Italy. So Nico, thanks very much for joining us and taking some time out of your busy schedule.
1: Yeah, no worries. Glad to be here.
0: And as always, Andal, thank you as well.
2: Yeah. Ciao Steph, ciao Nico, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey. Nice.
2: Congratulations to those two fabulous uh, stage wins. Uh, that was really impressive. <laughs> I'm really, really happy for you.
1: Thank you, thank you.
2: But um, let's start a little earlier this year. You've joined Bora-Hansgrohe this season. How is it? What's different compared to, to your previous teams?
1: Oh, every team has his own, um, yeah, let's say, character. Um, when I joined Borahans crew, I felt welcome from day one. Like, yeah, I, I came out of Ötztal um, team camp, and I I fought straight away. I felt welcomed and like I'm part of the team. And when I did my first race on Mallorca, uh, the sports director said, "Ah yeah, Nico debut today." I said, "Ah yeah, true. It's my first year in this team, but it, yeah, it just felt like I'm there forever already." And, Obviously, super nice and good, warm welcome.
2: So finally, you're happy with your
1: decision? Yeah, I cannot complain. I have now two stage wins in the Giro, which I have never dreamed of. And I feel super good in the team. Uh, Nice people all around can't be happier right now.
0: So tell us a little bit about the race programs that you used to do before you joined us. And has that changed since you've joined?
1: Actually, yeah, Um, I've been doing a lot of the classics like the uh, Flemish classics um, which I didn't do this year I only um, attended the opening weekend in in uh, in Belgium uh, where I was sick so it didn't really work out for me there but uh, this year it was a full focus on the Giro d'Italia that has never been like this before except the covid year and uh, altitude preparation etc and yeah, now I can say it really works for me to, to really focus on this goal or, or focus and, and prepare a goal like this. And.
2: Have you been convinced from the beginning on about changing the program and uh, building up all towards the Giro, around the Giro?
1: Um, deciding about race program, I presented two different options or worked out two different options with my coach. I said or I, I, I was wishing for either doing the classics and then full focusing on the classics without the Giro or if go into the Giro don't do the classics and prepare it properly because I've, I've done multiple times now and I can say it's a real gamble like if something goes wrong in the preparation or crash or whatever just a little thing goes wrong. Um, then it's going to be really difficult, in, especially in the Giro. Also, you cannot be in top shape um, from beginning of March until the end of May. So you have to make decisions. And yeah, I I was making my point clear. I'm open for both, but one or the other. And yeah, the team listened, and they told me they want me for the Giro. They they need me in support for, for Lenny and uh, Alex and in case there's opportunities I will also get a, a car to to go for my own and yeah, the, the opportunity came.
0: It came twice.
1: It came twice actually, yes.
0: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about then the preparation for the Giro. So you did to Renault and Romandy. how did that go for you?
1: Um. Yeah, my first races as preparation for the Giro was actually already um, Valencia, the Valencia tour together with uh, the core Giro team and then also Tireno with the core Giro team but here where the idea was just to grow as a team to get known to each other, uh, learn how, how the leaders are working, uh, how we work together, etc. And then Romondi was a bit different with different leaders and uh, not a Giro focused team. Um, Romondi, I, I came out of altitude from Sierra Nevada, so I felt there already in really good shape and and also um, had some nice results also.
2: Was it always planned you would get some freedom in this Giro? I mean, normally it's not that easy when you spend a lot of energy for the leaders in the first week already.
1: There was the idea of giving um, wild cards, let's call it, to the one or the other rider on specific days, which suit like um, uh, the abilities of this special rider, and yeah, it was always clear that there will be opportunities, but it was not clear about uh, who will get the opportunity, and that depends also on about GC, about uh, race, how it's going, like health uh, and um, shape uh, of of the, every rider, and.
2: I like the expression of wild cards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is more or less like this. It's yeah. not that I came into the Giro as a clear leader. It was the total opposite and yeah. Wild card fits were really good I think also, yeah.
0: So you're talking about plans changing as the Giro goes on in the team. I want to talk a little bit about how our, cha- our plans changed when Alex left the Giro. What happened then?
1: actually not so much like uh, we always wanted to race aggressive and uh, um, yeah offensive and and go for for opportunities when they open but always with a GC focus so the court the team was built around Alex and Lenny as a co-leader from the very beginning with our yeah, we were really disappointed with Alex um, dropping out, because he seemed to go really well. But yeah, then the focus just switched to Lenny and we didn't change much.
2: Did you specifically target some stages to go in the break? I think stage 12 was kind of planned, as you said in the interview afterwards. But um, 14 was more of a surprise, hey?
1: Um I've been looking into the road book when I got it. Um, and also actually before already into stages which I could like or could suit me. but then, as I already said before, it's not always possible to go on these specific days depending on how the race develops. And for stage 12, I wasn't I wasn't the guy to go for the breakaway and I told um, the sport directors I would be really motivated to try this one, but everyone expected that last time to be too hard for me. It also actually was. Um, but yeah, when things changed, the race developed in one or the other side and I got the, the freedom to go and then seized the opportunity and it worked out in the end. Um, and stage 14 again, I was thinking, this could really suit me and yeah, Jens heard me speaking about uh, my wishes to go to the breakaway and then adapted his, his meeting and uh, the race preparation and gave me that freedom and where again it worked out which is just unbelievable but you can always make a plan but you have to adapt uh, on the race how it's going.
0: So as you said these stage wins have been unbelievable almost. Tell us a little bit about the first stage win and take us through stage 12. So I was there at the finish. And it was crazy tell, tell us a little bit about how it all went down
1: yeah first of all uh, making the breakaway was uh, was not so easy because it was a big fight then we came down in the long flat part and yeah people weren't really working together and with connie there normally on paper our best better option for this kind of final i was going to the front and doing support work for him just taking the turns and making sure we keep going yeah but then people didn't really want to work together and gaps open and then we just pushed on with this little group and then um, we hit that last climb i was just suffering myself over it um, because i thought yeah i just need to go to the top and then i have a fair chance to to get this one and yeah i gave it my all and like just made it over the top, used the downhill to recover and then was surprised that no one was attacking because yeah, I, I know I have a, actually a fast um, sprint also and I thought they also know, but when I thought if they don't attack, they are also tired. So I, I looked up also in the beginning, uh, the final and, and saw like this little kicker with a roundabout on top in VeloViewer. And from there on, it was just downhill and flat towards the finish. So I thought if I can drop them there, turn into a tailwind, downhill can be a better point to attack. And as they didn't attack, I attacked. They could respond, but I I think that that gave them also a crack uh, mentally. But I uh, suffered so much in the climb and now can still attack. And after that, they didn't really want to. Work with me, like Berwick stopped completely, which is fully understandable. Uh, Squins just gave me some turns, but the last 3k, uh, I just took it from the front. I also preferred to be to be there when I could take the corners like I wanted and open the sprint. Uh, decide when to open the sprint because when you go first, the others have to react on you, and you don't have to come back. And I. I just sprint full gas, and then it's just pure explosion of emotions when I crossed the finish line. Yeah, I was.
0: What was what was the first thing that came to your mind when you crossed the line?
1: Finally, I did it. Like I was waiting five years after I became second uh, behind Mohoric in 2018. So only five years later, I got my stage win. <laughs> finally, finally. finally.
0: So
2: after that um, final climb and all the suffering there, you you ultimately realize this this can be your day.
1: Yeah, I I've, I really found uh, I was dreaming of of winning in the stage of, when I made it to the break already. But yeah, this big climb there was definitely something to tackle first. And when I made it over, I I really thought now I have a fair shot and. When they like, just came back after my attack, I, I, I was really confident I could, I, I could do it.
2: On stage 14, you've been alone in the really big break. Um, some, some teams had three riders there. How did you manage to still be at the sharp end of that breakaway in the end? Have there been any specific wheels you followed? Or how was your tactic on, on this day?
1: Yes, indeed. Being, being, alone, being alone in a big breakaway like this um, isn't always just bad. It can also be an advantage because now I had no pressure about chasing down anything. I was just focusing on the big teams, like, like not the big teams, the teams with the biggest uh, numbers, which were Movistar, Trek and Israel. I almost thought they gave it out of their hands when uh, Skuins was again riding away with these other guys without Movistar and Israel because they were really struggling to close it down and yeah and when the attacks fly. But yeah, I was also with the confidence of, of my first stage win. I just thought, yeah, even if they go, they go. I have my stage win, so I have nothing to lose. I can just play this out and but also helped me to not uh, get nervous and stay calm.
0: And so the same question about your second stage win. Tell us, how was the final 1,000 meters?
1: Yeah, actually, I need to start a bit earlier than the last 1,000 uh, meters because with 10k to go, we formed a, a chase group which was going all in for the win, like um, Meyerhofer and uh, Guy and... Um, Petiol and myself, we were just pushing all we had to come back. Everyone was clear, either we go for the win or yeah, we died trying. And so we pushed full gas, came back or actually didn't come back. And in the last 1500 meters, we Kind of accepted that defeat, I would say, and they were just like looking at each other. Maybe they couldn't also anymore. And I thought, like, they are just right there, like five, like hundred meters in front of us. Either I pull it down and have a have the opportunity to go for the win, or I just wait and become fourth in best as uh, best result. And I decided I I want to try for victory. I yeah. Fourth means, it maybe sounds stupid, but fourth means nothing when you already have a win in the pocket. And if I pull it down and they sprint over me, I still get fourth or fifth or seven or whatever, and it's all the same. But I wanted to go for the win, then pulled it back, bit you all went, I jump on his wheel, he sees me, pulls out, and then yeah, I had no other option than just going and I sprint full gas and with everything I had left.
2: Yeah, that worked out. Pretty well, I would say. Yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're a double tier stage winner. How does that sound?
1: Yeah, still, still hard to understand and realize what is happening. Like the first was, as I said, my first stage win was pure emotion and like all such a big relief. And when I passed the lion, the second time, first position, I just didn't know what to feel, it is just still too much um, to understand for me because yeah, f- from nothing to one victory and now I am double stage winner within three days, it's just super unreal for me. Yeah, I-, I still don't understand what's been going on um, <laughs> these days.
2: Did you think about a stage win before the start of the race? Maybe on one of those long and lonely training days in Sierra Nevada.
1: Oh yeah, I've been thinking about a stage, uh, stage victory for five, six years now. Like, yeah, it was always a dream to win a stage in the Giro d'Italia. I, my grandparents live in Italy, they also visit the race. Um, I have a big affection to this country and, and yeah, also the Giro especially. So yeah, of course I dreamed about it.
0: And now that dream has come true twice, We can see that there are a lot of people now surrounding the bus wanting to take pictures with you and get autographs, but I'm also interested in the bunch. Have you noticed any difference?
1: Um, Before people were talking to me, I think a lot of people knew me already, but now everyone just came and congratulated me and also the sports directors, everyone like, wow, and chapeau or whatever, but yeah, people have noticed what I've I've been doing, and maybe they realized already more than I, what I, when I when I did. Which was the
2: congratulation you most enjoyed or appreciated? I think there's a story with your dad and uh, Father's Day on stage twelve.
1: Oh. yeah! My parents obviously in tears and all over the moon. My grandparents calling like 15 times and yeah just everyone at home is going crazy my neighbors and uh, my friend who lives in munich he sent me a picture from the metro screen with me on it uh, like it's so huge i yeah i cannot say um, yeah everyone is just everyone is going crazy
2: how was that story with your dad and father's day when you are on the stage.
1: Yeah, I didn't get him a present actually, and so I had to win. <laughs> no, I, that's not true, but yeah, it, it just happens to be Father's Day in Germany on, on this day. And I called him in the morning and said, yeah, thanks for everything, etc., and we have a beer when I'm back home. And then in the evening, he just texted me, that's a nice Father's Day present, thanks. <laughs> and yeah so (laughs) i would have loved to have a gopro in the in their living room actually
2: um yeah and uh, now we are heading towards the third week let's have a brief look on the final week of the giro it's the gc battle what do you expect
1: from uh, lenny Uh, what do i expect from lenny in the last week like for me, he seems to be going really well. He's been pretty consistent. Um, he, I think he's finished in the top 30 in every single stage. Maybe only the one where 30 guys were in front, he didn't. But otherwise, he was always up there, always um, um, sharp and uh, ready to respond. So for me, he, he has a fair shot in the, in the finish like in this final week.
0: So looking at the team, do you think we're ready and strong enough?
1: Um, I am. Yeah, we are strong enough. Our team is strong. Our team is doing well. We are not the strongest team in the Giro, but we also don't need to be. We just need to continue doing what we're doing, helping each other, believe in each other, and I think we have a a fair shot to, to do something nice here
2: what do you think will be key to success this week still riding conservatively saving energy or is it going all in on one of the big days
1: no i think um, everyone's been saving energy all zero the weather has been really really tough and it's been all about staying healthy and out of trouble and for me, now I'm really expecting fireworks. I, there's three really tough mountain stages, plus with TT and I expect um, hard days ahead.
0: And the final question, who is your podium in Rome and why?
1: Oh, Lenny should be on there. Sure. <laughs> that would be really nice for us. Um, yeah, podium is actually difficult to, to predict. There's uh, a lot of guys um, in the contest for the podium with G, Roglic and um, Almeida looking really, really strong. Uh, Caruso also makes a a really, really strong um, impression, but also for me Lenny is amongst uh, the best. If it's podium or not, in the end we can be happy and proud of what we did already so far and how we've ridden as a team and uh, we will also continue giving our best. Yeah, whatever the outcome will be, I will be happy now.
0: Okay, bring on the final week then.
1: Yeah, let's do it. So
0: Nico, I'm sure there were a lot of people out there who were very keen to hear your Giro story so far. So thanks very much for joining us today on this uh, Giro Rest Day podcast.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: And Andal, as always, thanks very much to you as
1: well.
2: Yeah, Steph, Nico, thanks for taking time and uh, all the very best for
1: the final week. Thank you. Ciao.
0: And last but not least, thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us for this special Giro edition of the Band of Brothers podcast. We hope to see you again for the next one.